Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.podomatic.com. Hello, everybody, and thank you for listening to uh, the podcast. This is Luke. Hello uh, to all of the listeners and subscribers that I have all around the world. It's, um, it's great that you're still listening to my podcast. Uh, thank you for not giving up. I appreciate it very much. Now, actually, I'm, I'm getting more and more listeners all the time, which is quite interesting. And since I set up a YouTube video site... I'm getting even more people um, listening and watching my videos, which is fantastic. Um, In today's podcast, uh, we're going to listen to a short presentation by the American businessman, a very successful American businessman called Jay Walker, and he's going to be uh, talking about um, English as an international language and English mania. So we'll listen to that, and um, then in the language section of the podcast, I'm going to be explaining and talking about the differences between British English pronunciation and American English pronunciation. So I think, in general, probably a very useful and very interesting podcast for you today. So um, you can look forward to listening to the whole thing. This is a full-length podcast today. This isn't a short version. So this is going to be a full-length one. So lots and lots of podcast fun for you to enjoy today. Um, Right, so first of all, I'd just like to uh, say hello to the people who have sent me messages. Um, I've had lots of positive responses to... The video which I put on my YouTube site, Um, lots of people have said that they really enjoyed it, that they thought it was very useful. Um, Even my friends um, who aren't learning English, some of my friends have seen the video and they, they, they like it as well. So generally, very positive responses. I will put more videos up on my YouTube page and so you'll be able to find more useful, fun um, videos to watch there. Uh, I will include a link to my YouTube page on the website for this podcast, so you can check it out. Um, I had an email from someone called Anna, and um, Anna sent me some some advice about uh, the podcast. Um, she said that um, she was... She, she she was very pleased with the idioms which um, I explained in the podcast about Susan Boyle. And she said they were very useful. But one thing she thinks is very, very important, and I agree with her, is the fact that um, many idioms are now quite old-fashioned. And um, some idioms just aren't used anymore, right? 
So um, Anna was was saying that it's very important that um, you, as learners of English, can uh, can identify which idioms are actually being used today in the world and which ones are just old-fashioned. It's a very good point, actually. There are so many idioms in the language, but many of them are just not used anymore. Um, well, I agree, Anna. Uh, I think it's very important to know which are the good idioms and which are the bad idioms. Uh, well, you, you, can, you can be sure that um, any idioms which I teach you on this podcast will be the good ones, the ones that uh, people actually use um, in, you know, in their daily lives when they speak English. I will um, try very hard to avoid um, old idioms or idioms that people just don't use anymore. Okay, so I, I'm I'm always thinking about it whenever I teach something. I always think, do people actually say this? So it's something I'm always thinking about. So when I teach you language here on this podcast, it's definitely language that um, that people use. Okay, um, I, I try not to teach you language that uh, is old-fashioned or just isn't useful anymore. Yeah, okay, so thanks again for your messages. And um, I'd like to move on now to the feature section of the podcast, which is about international English or English mania. So here we go. Okay, I recently found a really interesting website on the internet. It's called uh, TED, or T-E-D, and it's, um, the website is www.ted.com. Now, T-E-D is um, quite an interesting organization. Um, T-E-D is, is, stands for Technology Entertainment Design, and basically... Um, TED is a conference. It's a kind of big um, organized meeting which um, aims to bring together various important people who work in technology, entertainment and design. Now you can find on the TED or TED website lots of really interesting videos which um, are of different people giving presentations on different interesting topics that relate to technology, entertainment and design. Now I found one particular video um, on this site which I think you as a learner of English will find very interesting. And the, 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 the presentation video is by a man called Jay Walker and in this presentation he talks about English mania. English mania. Now basically English mania means um, the fact that um, there are lots and lots of people all over the world going crazy about English. Okay, so really the topic is um, English as an international language, and it's very interesting. And um, you know, it's interesting for many reasons. English is a changing language. Um, the fact that English is spoken by so many different people all around the world, and and what that really means. Okay, now I'd just like to tell you a couple of things about Jay Walker who is the man giving the presentation. Um, let's see. According to, the, according to this website, um, Jay Walker is a, let's see, he's a businessman um, and an inventor. So he's a man who, who comes, 
who has um, invented lots of new pieces of technology. Um, he apparently he holds more than 200 patents. Now, a patent is is basically a kind of um, license uh, when you invent a new product or a new business idea. Um, yeah, a new product or a new piece of technology, you apply for a patent, and that will basically protect your new piece of technology so that other people can't copy it. Now, it's very difficult to get a patent. Um, it's very strict, the process of, of getting one. Uh, but Jay Walker has got 200 patents, which is very, very impressive. Um, let's see. Um, Time magazine has twice named Jay Walker one of the 50 most influential business leaders in the digital age. So basically... Um, Jay Walker is a, a very influential, very successful uh, business leader who specialises in new technology. And um, he knows a lot about uh, the business world. And he, he knows a hell of a lot about what is going on in the world today. Okay? Now, in his presentation, he talks about a number of things. And um, I'm going to, before you listen to this uh, presentation... I'm going to explain some of the language that he uses, which will help you to understand what he's saying. Now, um, he starts by saying, let's talk about manias. Now, just like I explained, a mania is um, um, when lots of people are very, very, very interested in something. Um, when, let's see, on the, in the dictionary here, uh, a mania is an obsessional enthusiasm or liking. So it's when many people like something in a very crazy way. And uh, uh, Jay Walker gives um, a few examples of this. He, he starts by talking about Beatlemania. Beatlemania. Now, obviously, you know the Beatles. They're a, a very successful pop group in the 60s. And when the Beatles were uh, very, very popular... Uh, people described it as Beatlemania. So that means, you know, things like teenagers crying and screaming in the streets, um, hysterical teenagers. A hysterical teenager is someone who's so um, emotional that they've lost control of themselves. So you've got like large crowds of people going crazy about the Beatles. So that was Beatlemania. Uh, Jay Walker also talks about sports mania. That's when you get, you know, thousands of people going crazy about sport. A good example of that might be um, the World Cup in Japan and South Korea in 2002. And in South Korea, they, they had football mania. Um, and every, everyone in Korea supported the, football, uh, the Korean football team. They, they went crazy whenever anyone won a game. They were jumping into rivers and it was just completely um, incredible how everybody became obsessed with football when that World Cup competition was happening. Uh, so that's sports mania. Um, he talks about deafening crowds. Now, a deafening crowd is a crowd that's very, very loud. Yeah, Deafening means it's so loud it makes you deaf. And if you're deaf, it means you can't hear anything. So a deafening crowd is a crowd that's so loud that you can't hear anything afterwards because it makes you deaf. Um, um, what else? He talks about religious mania. Uh, religious mania, yeah. That's when you know many, many people go crazy about religion. 
in Religious Mania, he talks about rapture. Uh, rapture is a kind of, um, let's see, um, extreme pleasure, extreme feeling of joy or extreme feeling of happiness, which people get sometimes when they are involved in um, intense religious um, worship. Maybe a feeling that they are being transported to heaven. Uh, so that's rapture, okay? Like an extreme sense of happiness, uh, which people experience sometimes uh, in religion. Uh, he says there's weeping. Weeping is when people cry a lot, okay? So with, with um, maybe sometimes in, in church, people will, be, will weep. Um, again, connected to strong feelings of emotion. He says there's visions. A vision is like a hallucination. It's when you see something that isn't really there. So, for example, people have visions of Jesus Christ appearing um, in their living room or Jesus Christ appearing in, um, in church or something like that. So a vision, like a hallucination. Um, he says manias can be good, manias can be alarming, meaning surprising, or manias can be deadly. And deadly means that they can you know, cause people to die. And there he's, he's referring to things like uh, maybe when Hitler um, was um, the leader of the Nazi party in, in the 1930s, um, there was a kind of mania uh, among the, uh, the German population and they all were cra crazy about him. And in the end, um, that caused the deaths of, of millions of people. So manias, you know, they can be good, they can be surprising, they can be deadly as well. Uh, and now England, uh, now the world has a new mania, and that's a mania for learning English. Okay, now I'm going to play uh, Jay Walker's presentation for you now. Um, on my webpage, which is teacherluke.podomatic.com, you can read uh, the transcript to Jay Walker's presentation, and you can also watch the video. I will post a copy of the video on the webpage, and you can watch it there. Or if you like, if you're listening on your iPod or something, you can just listen to the presentation now. And I think it's very interesting. Listen to it, think about it, try and understand it. I'm, I will um, explain some other words um, after the presentation and I'll make a few comments about it. And then later, I'm going to be looking at um, American pronunciation and British pronunciation, which um, should be very interesting. So here is Jay Walker's presentation. Let's talk about manias. Let's start with Beatlemania. Hysterical teenagers, Crying, screaming, pandemonium. Sports mania, deafening crowds, all for one idea. Get the ball in the net. Okay, religious mania. There's rapture, there's weeping, there's visions. Manias can be good, manias can be alarming, or manias can be deadly. The world has a new mania, a mania for learning English. Listen as Chinese students practice their English by screaming it. My life! I want to change my life! 
How many people are trying to learn English worldwide? Two billion of them. In Latin America, in India, in Southeast Asia, and most of all in China. If you're a Chinese student, you start learning English in the third grade by law. That's why this year China will become the world's largest English-speaking country. <laughs> why English? In a single word, opportunity. Opportunity for a better life, a job, to be able to pay for school or put better food on the table. Imagine a student taking a giant test for three full days. Her score on this one test literally determines her future. She studies 12 hours a day for three years to prepare. 25% of her grade is based on English. It's called the Gao Cao, and 80 million high school Chinese students have already taken this grueling test. The intensity to learn English is almost unimaginable unless you witness it. Perfect! So is English mania good or bad? Is English a tsunami washing away other languages? Not likely. English is the world's second language. Your native language is your life, but with English you can become part of a wider conversation, a global conversation about global problems like climate change or poverty or hunger or disease. The world has other universal languages. Mathematics is the language of science. Music is the language of emotions. And now English is becoming the language of problem solving, not because America is pushing it, but because the world is pulling it. So English mania is a turning point. Like the harnessing of electricity in our cities or the fall of the Berlin Wall, English represents hope for a better future, a future where the world has a common language to solve its common problems. Thank you very much. Well, thanks, Jay, for that uh, very interesting and very insightful presentation. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, so you could hear there uh, thousands, of ja uh, thousands of Chinese um, students repeating uh, sentences being spoken by English teachers in China, um, saying things like, um, I don't want to let my parents down. I don't want to let my parents down. And things like that. Uh, I don't want to let my country down. I don't want to let myself down. If you let someone down, it means you disappoint them. Um, for example, if you let your parents down, it might be, for example, that your parents are expecting you to uh, pass your exams. And if you don't pass your exams, you'll let them down. And your parents will be very disappointed and sad and they'll go, Oh, I can't believe you failed the exam. Oh, you've let me down, for example. Okay. Um, now, hearing all of those Chinese students repeating um, those sentences there, 
Um, it's um, on one hand, it's quite scary, actually, quite frightening, hearing so many people repeating sentences like that all together. It sounds quite scary, I think. Um, so many people chanting. But on the other hand, actually, it makes me quite happy to, to hear so many Chinese young people uh, learning English. Because um, for a while, uh, over, you know, over the last sort of 10, 20 years, people have been wondering... Um, whether or not um, Chinese would become the first language in the world, the first international language. But it seems now that English is definitely the number one international language and that Chinese people are not trying to make everyone else learn Chinese. Instead, they're, they're trying very hard to learn English themselves, which makes me happy because it means that um, I'm still going to have a job in the future. Right. Uh, thank goodness for that. Um, now, just, I, I think it's um, it's it's quite interesting some of the things that Jay said in his presentation, particularly the fact that um, that most of the people in the world who speak English are speakers of English as a second language. So actually, uh, the native speakers of English are in the minority. There are more uh, non-native speakers who speak English. Okay, and that's interesting because it makes you think. Who actually owns English? Who owns the language? Now, there's a lot of argument um, on the internet about, you know, who has the best English? Is it the British? Is it the Americans? You know, sometimes you see people say, well, British English is the best because it's English, because we own the language. Well, the fact is that nobody really owns the language. Um, it's, it's people who speak the language who own it. And if more people uh, who speak... Um, more non-native people speak English than native people, then does that mean that um, that you own the own English? Does that mean that learners of English actually own the language? It's quite an interesting idea. Um, and if um, there are more non-native speakers using English in the world, that might affect how English changes in the future. Um, now, we know that at the moment there are lots of different kinds of English um, and those different types of English are characterised by structural differences, lexical differences, that's vocabulary, and uh, phonological differences, that's, that's pronunciation. Um, you get British English, American English, um, Australian English, South African English, um, Indian English, um, but also now... Um, we have a kind of common international English, which, um, which in the future will have its own accepted rules. Um, so some people think that in the future, um, international English will develop and become the language of, of business. In fact, international English is now the language of English, uh, the, the language of business. And, but, but many people think that in the future... Um, International English will develop its own rules, uh, will, will develop um, grammar and pronunciation which is acceptable, which isn't considered to be wrong anymore. So examples of that might be that um, in the future uh, pronunciation may, may change or what is considered to be acceptable pronunciation might change. For example, um, the sounds that we use in, in British English like th and th... Um, 
and they're, they're quite difficult sounds, like words like 30 or 33, for example, or think, think about that. Some languages, some, some foreign speakers find those sounds difficult to pronounce. So in the future, in international English, those sounds may, may stop being used and you might instead get t or s. So instead of having think or think about 33,000, you would get something like tink about 33,000 or sink about 33,000. It sounds crazy to me, actually, but that's what some people believe. Um, another thing, uh, Thing that might change is um, the ed endings of um, regular verbs and adjectives. So those are things like finished, started, um, and so on. And they're, they're often a big problem for learners of English. And so, you know, that will probably change. It'll be acceptable to say finished, for example. Um, many people believe that grammar will change in the future, um, that um, certain things which are considered wrong now uh, won't be considered wrong in the future. That might be, you know, mistakes that, that uh, learners of English commonly make. For example, adding the, the S on a third person verb, um, that you won't need to do that in the future. That maybe some um, uncountable nouns will become countable, like for example, information. Um, pe maybe people will start saying informations. I have some informations for you or some advices. Obviously, now you can't say informations. You, you know, people don't say advices. They say pieces of information, pieces of advice. But who knows, in the future, with these changes to international English, you might hear people saying, I have some advices for you. Hmm. Um, who knows, maybe question forms may become more simple. So instead of saying, do you know what time it is? You might hear people saying, do you know what time is it? Uh, another common mistake there. Now, in a way, these changes are already happening. And you, you do find that people who do business in English, you know, people from different countries who speak different languages and do business in English, use a kind of basic form of English to do business. So that's the kind of language which, uh, that's the kind of international English which will develop and develop its own set of rules, just like the way American English developed in a different way to British English. And now we consider American English to be a, um, a perfectly acceptable uh, form of English, in fact maybe the dominant form of English in the world. Um, in the same way you may get international English, which, who knows, it might become the dominant uh, form of English in the world in the future. Now, as a learner of English, you, you have a decision to make regarding what kind of English you want to learn. Now, you know, you can decide that you want to learn British English if you consider British English to sound better or to be better than other forms of English. You might decide to, to learn American English because you think that perhaps more people speak American English. Uh, maybe you, you've listened to Barack Obama and you love the way he speaks. You want to speak like that, perhaps. Um, or perhaps you, you know, for you, it's just more important to, to be understood in the language so that you can do business and make money. And um, if, if that's the most important thing, then, you know, perhaps you will choose to learn a more simple form of, of international English. Um, 
Personally, myself, I think it's, it's more impressive. It sounds better if you have a very good command uh, over the English language. Um, so I personally think that British English or American English is a very good standard, a good benchmark for other people who are learning the language. Um, I think there is, a, there is a pleasure that you can get from expressing yourself in a complex or subtle way. Um, now, and I believe that you need a complex and accurate language in order to do that. So personally, I, I prefer um, the complex but more difficult forms of British and American English. I think there's more poetry in the language. There's more room for expression um, in, in, in that kind of language. But then again, for some people, doing business is a priority. And so just being understood is the most important thing. Um, yeah, so it's, it's quite a, uh, an interesting um, situation. Um, English, of course, is changing all the time. And really the question of who owns the language will play a very important part in how the language develops in the future. For me, I just hope that I still have a job in the future, basically. I hope that I, um, you know, I still have people to teach English um, and I hope that the language doesn't change too much. Um, I, I don't want to be out of a job. Um, yeah. So, there you go. Uh, don't forget to send me your thoughts and your comments. You can email me any, uh, any opinions you have about English as an international language or English mania. Uh, my email address is luketeacher at hotmail.com and I welcome any comments and suggestions from you. So that's the end of the, um, the feature section and in the next part of this podcast I'm going to look at some of the differences between British English and American English focusing on the pronunciation differences. Now you heard Jay Walker doing his presentation. He's got an American accent. He's American. Um, so, um, first of all, I'm going to look at some rules, or uh, pronunciation rules, um, which um, explain some differences between British pronunciation and American English pronunciation. And then I'm going to look again at Jay Walker's presentation, and we're going to listen to some parts of his, his uh, presentation, and I'm going to copy his American accent, and then do the same thing in a British accent. So you can compare the differences. Okay, so that is the language section, which is coming up right now. Here we go. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Okay, British English pronunciation and American English pronunciation. What are the differences? Well, the first thing I should say, and something that's very important about this, is that within Britain and within America, there are many, many different types of pronunciation and different accents. So even just in, in the UK, there, there may be 10, 11, 12 completely different forms of pronunciation. And it's the same in America. Uh, they have different uh, accents all over the country. So really, there isn't one um, particular kind of British English pronunciation. And there isn't just one kind of American English pronunciation. In America, you might get, for example, someone from New York who speaks very differently from someone who's from Texas, who speaks differently from someone who's from uh, Michigan, who speaks differently to someone from California. So there are different types of, of pronunciation in America. It's the same here in the UK. Someone from the east end of London might speak differently to someone from the west end of London. Uh, someone um, from Liverpool might speak very differently to someone from Manchester. Someone from Scotland will speak differently to someone from Northern Ireland or Wales or, or wherever. Um, in, in some cases um, in, in the UK, just half an hour away... Like, for example, Manchester and Liverpool, they're just 30 minutes away by car from each other, but the accents are completely different. Now, I, I personally think accents are very, very interesting, and I love um, copying different accents. I love doing different accents from around the world. And that is a completely different podcast, which I'm planning to do in the future. I will do a podcast about different accents, but this one is about American English pronunciation and British English pronunciation. Now, um, there are some basic differences between the way an American person will speak and the way a British person will speak. And um, really, I'm going to focus on um, sort of standard Southern English pronunciation here, which is a kind of uh, BBC English. Now, that's the kind of um, English accent that I have. I'm from the south of England. Um, um, I don't have a particularly strong regional accent. I have probably like BBC English, like a standard kind of English. And there's a similar kind of standard American accent as well, which um, isn't specific to any region in America. It's just a standard form of American accent. So those are the two types of accents I'm going to focus on here. Um, OK, so I'm going to go through some of those rules, the pronunciation rules, and I will um, use my voice to show the differences between uh, the British pronunciations uh, and the American pronunciations. Um, if you are listening to this in America, and if you're an American, then uh, I'd like to apologise if my American accent isn't very good. Um, I'm, I'm not an actor, really. I'm, I'm just an English teacher. But um, if you think my American pronunciation is not very good, then please let me know. I think it's probably okay, basically. Um, I've watched thousands of American movies. I watch lots of American television. 
I've got American friends. I've been to America a few times. So I think I know basically what the, the accent sounds like. But I haven't had any actual training in uh, speaking like an American. It's just, it's just what I think an American sounds like. Um, I think it's probably okay, but it's not perfect. Okay, so let's start uh, looking at the rules or the differences in pronunciation between British and American English. Here we go. First of all, um, British English has uh, one more vowel sound than American English. So this is a vowel sound that you find in British English, but you don't find it in American pronunciation. And that's the sound um, O, right? And that's um, used in words like dog, got, gone, off, stop, lost. That's the O sound. Um, in American English, um, those words would probably be pronounced with a sort of R sound, R. So not O, but R. And that would be things like dog, uh, uh, gone, off, stop, last. Okay? So British English would be like dog, American, dog. Uh, gone, gone. Off, off. Stop, stop. Lost, last. Okay? Um... Yep. Okay. In some uh, words which are written with an with an a plus a consonant, so that's words like fast, which is f a s t, or after a f t e r. Uh, they have different pronunciations. In British English, we use an r sound like fast after, whereas in American English, you would find an a sound. Um, for example, fast after. Okay, so we'd say fast, they say fast. We'd say after, they'd say after. Okay, um, okay. The the vowel in these words like home, go, open, we pronounce that vowel with an O sound. Um, in American English, they pronounce it differently. So we'd say home, in America they'd say home, home. We'd say go, they'd say go. And we'd say open, they'd say open. I think. It's a difficult one to do. But um, certainly we say um, go home, you left the door open. Would be a kind of American one. We'd say go home, you left the door open. Go home, go home. Okay? There's a difference there, You can if you can hear it. Go home. Go home, you left the door open. Go home, you left the door open. Hmm. Okay. Um, now, one of the big differences is the, the R sound, or the R sound. In, in standard southern British English, the R, or R, is only pronounced before a vowel sound. So, only before a vowel sound. But in American English, usually, the R, or R sound, is pronounced in all positions where it is written in a word. And it sometimes changes the quality of a vowel that comes before it. So, um, so words like car, turn, offer sound very different in British and American speech. In, in British speech, we'd say car, turn, offer. In America, car, car, turn, offer. 
Okay, offer. Uh, car turn offer. Car turn offer. Yeah, and and that e uh, often words that end in er. Um, in British English, we don't really pronounce the r. Whereas in American English, they do. They have a rounded r sound at the end of the word. So that's word words like teacher, water. Um, you can see that we don't pronounce the the we don't say teacher, we just say teacher. It's not water, but water. So would be like in American English, teacher, water. Um, we'd say teacher, water. Um, as well as that, um, the letters T and D in in American English um, tend to be pronounced with a with a a d sound. Whereas um, in British English, they're, they're not. So words, usually words with a T in the middle, like water. Uh, in American English, they pronounce it with a D sound. So they'd say water, der, d, water, or water, water. In England, we say water, water. Um, so, for example, we would say writer, and they'd say rider. We'd say um, water, they say water, and, and so on. Um, so they're, they're very different, really. And that's one of the big differences that people notice, is that in British English, we, we pronounce a t sound. In America, it's like a d, water, water. Um, some British um, dialects, or some in some parts of Britain, you, you do hear people who don't pronounce the t sound. Instead, you get um, another sound. So instead of water, you get water. Give me a glass of water. And, and many people think that that's bad pronunciation, that it sounds rude. But you do hear a lot of people saying water. I want a glass of water. It's a sort of um, southern British pronunciation. Um, in, um, yeah, another difference is some words which are pronounced with an oo in most varieties of American English have a u in British English. So in, these are words in which... Uh, th or d or t or n are followed by a u or an ew sound. So, for example, uh, here are some words. Um, in British English, we say enthusiastic. So you can hear that u, enthusiastic. Whereas in America, enthusiastic, enthu, enthu. So not enthu, but enthu. Enthusiastic, that's American. And British, enthusiastic. Um, duty, duty, whereas they say duty. <laughs> okay, I think that's right. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's right. Duty. Uh, we'd say tune, like play a, play a tune on the piano. And they'd say tune. Play a tune on the piano. Right? Um, the word new, we say new. Like, is that a new watch? New. In America, they'd say new. Is that a new watch? Is that a new watch? Is that a new watch? Okay. So those are some of the kind of basic differences in pronunciation between British and American English. Um, I suppose it's quite difficult um, to focus on the rules. The rules are a little bit uh, difficult to understand, I think. For me, personally, I think that copying and just listening and trying to copy uh, different sounds is a really good way of understanding the differences.
Um, now, there are different theories about the best way to learn pronunciation. I think it really just depends on the learner. For me, I'm a kind of musical person and I like to listen and copy. Um, when I lived in Japan, um, I, I learned some Japanese and I think I learned the pronunciation quite well just by listening and copying. And I really enjoy copying different uh, voices, different accents and things. I, I have a lot of fun with it. So quite a good way for you to perhaps practice is just to try and hear the differences and try and copy them. But also, as well, it's, it's obviously very important to know about the positions of the mouth and try and understand the f uh, phonetic alphabet. Uh, you, can, you can learn the phonetic alphabet by, by using a good dictionary um, or um, or a pronunciation book, and that will show you all the different phonetic sounds in English, um, and it will explain how to pronounce them. And then you can look at words in the dictionary and see the phonemic or phonetic script for those words and practice saying them. But again, my, my first piece of advice is just to listen to um, accents and just trying to copy them. It's like acting, it really is. It's just like being an actor. You just have to try and copy different accents um, so it's I think personally it's fun it's just a lot of fun to listen to the differences and to just have fun uh, copying them so what I'm going to do now is go back to Jay Walker's speech and I'm going to take some of the things that he said and I'm going to copy them so I'm going to practice my American pronunciation and then I'm going to say the same sentence in British English pronunciation so that you can hear very clearly the differences between American, standard American pronunciation and standard Southern British English pronunciation. Okay, so um, let's hear um, the first, um, let, let's hear one example of, of Jay Walker's uh, American pronunciation. Here we go. Let's talk about manias. 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 Let's start with Beatlemania. 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 Get the ball in the net. 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 Manias can be good. Manias can be alarming. Or manias can be deadly. Manias can be good. Manias can be alarming. Manias can be deadly. Manias can be good. Manias can be alarming. Manias can be deadly. Manias can be good. Manias can be alarming. Manias can be deadly. Manias can be good. Manias can be alarming. Manias can be deadly. If you're a Chinese student, you start learning English in the third grade by law. If you're a Chinese student, you start learning English in the third grade by law. If you're a Chinese student, you start learning English in the third grade by law. 
British English. If you're a Chinese student, you learn. Uh, no, sorry. If you're a Chinese student, you start learning English in the third grade by law. If you're a Chinese student, you start learning English in the third grade by law. That's why this year China will become the world's largest English-speaking country. That's why this year China will become the world's largest English-speaking country. That's why this year China will become the world's largest English-speaking country. Opportunity for a better life, a job, to be able to pay for school or put better food on the table. Opportunity for a better life, a job, to be able to pay for school or put food on the table. An opportunity for a better life, a job, to be able to pay for school or put food on the table. Her score on this one test literally determines her future. Her score on this one test. Literally determines her future. She studies twelve hours a day for three years to prepare. She studies twelve hours a day for three years to prepare. She studies twelve hours a day for three years to prepare. Twenty-five percent of her grade is based on English. Twenty-five percent of her grade is based on English. Twenty-five percent of her grade is based on English. So is English mania good or bad? So is English mania good or bad? So is English mania good or bad? Your native language is your life, but with English you can become part of a wider conversation. Your native language is your life, but with English you can become part of a larger conversation. Uh, your native language is your life, but with English, you can become part of a wider conversation—a global conversation about global problems. A global conversation about global problems. A global conversation about global problems. Like climate change or poverty. Like climate change or poverty. Like climate change or poverty. The world has other universal languages. The world has other universal languages. The world has other universal languages. And now English is becoming the language of problem solving. English is becoming the language of problem solving. English is becoming the language of problem solving. Like the harnessing of electricity in our cities, or the fall of the Berlin Wall. Like the harnessing of electricity in our cities, or the fall of the Berlin Wall. Like the harnessing of electricity in our cities, or the fall of the Berlin Wall. A future where the world has a common language. A future where the world has a common language. A future where the world has a common language. To solve its common problems. Thank you very much. To solve its common problems. Thank you very much. 
to solve its common problems. Thank you very much. Okay, so there, hopefully, you can hear the differences between uh, sort of American pronunciation and British pronunciation. Again, if, you're, if you are an American or if you, if you live in America um, and you think that my American accent was, was, was rubbish, then I apologise. I'm very sorry. I'm not a professional actor. I don't uh, pretend to have perfect American pronunciation. I think it's basically okay, but some of my, some of my vowel sounds are not quite right. Um, if you are an American speaker, maybe if you're an English teacher who lives and works in America or something like that, um, please feel free to respond to my American English pronunciation. If you think that I was bad, then, then let me know. You know, give me some corrections, give me some advice on how to pronounce like an American uh, speaker. Um, if you, you know, if you wanted to give me some feedback, actually, just give me some feedback on my American English pronunciation. It, it would be really great if you could send me a recording, maybe send me an MP3 um, of, of your advice. Or maybe if you are an American English speaker, you could send me an MP3 of you doing a British accent. Because, now I'm afraid this is probably true, um, I think that most American speakers find it harder to do a British English accent. Now I'm not saying that all American people can't do a British English accent, because there are lots of American people who can, they do them very, very well. There's, the, you know, lots of actors can do them, like Johnny Depp is very good at English accents. Uh, there are various people on the internet from America who do excellent English accents, but the majority of American people, I think, can't do uh, British English accents. And in fact, there are also a lot of actors in Hollywood who do really bad English accents, like, for example, Nicolas Cage. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie um, National Treasure 2, Book of Secrets, it's a big adventure movie with Nicolas Cage. And there's one scene in the movie where he, he, he pronounces English like... Um, you know, he speaks like a British English person, but it's terrible. It sounds awful. And he says things like, Oh, oh no, here's an English Barbie! Which is completely ridiculous and doesn't sound very good. Also, there are, there's one uh, YouTube video which I found. I, I, I was looking on YouTube... And I found, uh, I was looking on YouTube for videos um, of American people doing British pronunciation. And I found a woman who says that she's an expert in um, uh, teaching people how to speak in different dialects. She's American and she's on the internet teaching you how to speak British English. But it's absolutely terrible. She, she can't do it at all. She's got no idea what British English really sounds like. And pretty much everything she's saying is wrong. And it's, I mean, I, I just love it. It's brilliant. I can't stop watching it. I can't get enough of it. It's just great. For me, it's like really entertaining and very, very funny. Um, in fact, I'm going to do a podcast about her and about her uh, advice and how bad it is. It's just funny. I think it's... Uh, I'm not, you know, anti-American. I love American people. Uh, you know, I love America, all the music and the movies. It's fantastic. Uh, but this particular woman doesn't have a clue. And um, I'm going to upload a podcast about her probably today after I do this one.
because this is already nearly one hour long. But you, I will do a podcast about her and I'll introduce her bad British pronunciation to you and it should be quite funny. So that's the end of this episode of Luke's English Podcast. I hope you found it uh, useful and I hope you found it entertaining as well. Um, don't forget to email me any comments, any questions, any suggestions to luketeacher at hotmail.com and don't forget to visit my webpage where you can see uh, the transcripts from this podcast and the videos as well that I've talked about. Um, okay, so that's it. I hope you've uh, hope you had a nice time. Have a nice day and I will um, upload a new podcast very, very soon. That's it. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. Don't forget you can download and listen to all the old episodes by going to teacherluke.podomatic.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.